Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, Lake Hills Church. I love celebrating Mother's Day, and I just don't think that we could have found a more appropriate song to start off our Mother's Day message than Tough Enough, because every mother in here knows that to be a mom, you better be tough. You better find you some tenacity. You better figure out how to get strong. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 31 describes the godly woman by saying this, she is clothed in strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. Every mom knows that mothering requires a supernatural strength and a divine tenacity and toughness that can only be found when we are standing on solid ground. And so I love to celebrate Mother's Day with you. I know that as moms, many of you probably had bumps on the road on the way to church today. Even though you're smiling now, perhaps you were not smiling this morning on the way here. We've all been there. Many of you are thinking, I would just like to sleep eight hours in a row. Others of you would think, were thinking, you know, please, I just know if I change another diaper, I will pull my hair out. Some of you are thinking, oh, Teenage years, yay, yay, we can do this together. I want you to know that we believe in you, and I believe that my favorite, favorite parenting verse actually has very little to do with parenting at all. Galatians 6, 9 says, do not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time, parents, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Hey, moms, we're here to tell you today, don't give up. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, don't give up. Now I need you to turn to your other neighbor and say it like you mean it. Don't give up. Don't give up. This is what the local church is supposed to do. We rally around each other. We support each other. We celebrate together. That's what we are all about. I know that for some of you, Mother's Day may not be all celebration. Perhaps you have lost your mother or you long to be a mother. Wherever you find yourself today, my prayer is that you feel our love. I don't know the depths of your pain, but I do know know that no depth is beyond God's reach. And he has a word for you today as we rally together around the subject of parenting. I love to teach on parenting, but I must be very clear. It is not because I parent perfectly. It is because I believe passionately that if as adults we could understand and embrace and enjoy the job, the responsibility of raising up the next generation, I truly believe that we can change the world. But to be sure, I have not done it perfectly, nor do I have perfect children. Sorry, guys. They are awesome, but they are far from perfect. We do have two great kids. Emily just finished her junior year at the College of Charleston, and Joseph just finished his freshman year at Clemson University. And they would love nothing more than to come up here and share with you all the parenting mistakes that I've made. But, oh, short on time. So... <clears throat> We're not going to do that. But if you ever meet someone who says, hey, 
I'd like to talk to you about parenting because I figured out how to do it. I figured out the perfect recipe to raise perfect children. You need to stay away from that person because that person is a big fat liar. Um, there's no such thing as perfect parenting because there's no such thing as perfect people. But the good news is God does not call us to perfection. He calls us to participation. And our prayer today is that you feel encouragement and support if you are a parent today. But you know, as we talk about parenting, some of you are already tuning out. You're thinking, oh, awesome. Um, I'm not a parent, so this has nothing to do with me. I can take a nap, and the air conditioning is just perfect, and so I'll tune back in at the end when everyone leaves. But I want you to think about something for a minute. Parenting... It's all about raising up the next generation. It's all about raising up the next generation to become adults. And if you think about it that way, then you don't have to be a parent to parent. You don't have to be a parent to influence and to help out and to raise up the next generation. As a matter of fact, I have many good friends who don't have children in their home today, but through mentoring, through teaching, through coaching, through other opportunities to influence the next generation, they choose to parent the next generation. So if you're an adult, actually the Bible commands us to reach out and to be an example and to raise up the next generation. Now, if you are a student or a child and you're thinking, this definitely isn't for me, then I want to tell you that parenting is a relationship. And every relationship is made up of at least two parties. So I'm going to tell you what the Bible says to you about parenting. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So parenting has a lot to do with students, actually. Parenting has a lot to do with kids. You have a responsibility as a child or a student to obey your parents, to get under the authority that God has put over you. And as a matter of fact, when God makes this command, guys, he says it will work out best for you. It's a command that comes with a promise. Those are the best kind. Now, you may not see it at the time, but when you step into that responsibility, you too will reap a harvest if you do not grow weary in doing good. So I think understanding that parenting affects all of us is very, very important. Because if you think about it, every person falls into one of three categories. Number one, they were parented by their parents, and they learned life principles. Number two, they weren't parented by their parents, but someone else, a coach, a teacher, a friend's family, stepped in and taught them life principles. Or number three, they weren't parented by their parents, and they never learned life principles. We all know people who affect our lives who were never parented and never learned life principles. That affects all of us. As a matter of fact, all of society thrives or dives based on whether or not we teach or choose not to teach the next generation. So it's a big deal, this parenting thing. It's a big responsibility. And every parent I know 
when they consider the responsibility, immediately they feel overwhelmed and they feel under-equipped. And if you're a parent and thinking about parenting and the responsibility doesn't make you throw up in your mouth a little bit, then maybe you're not considering it fully. It is a big job. But the good news is that God does not want you to do it on your own. His design, his desire is that the local church partner with parents and we do this job together. We say all the time at Lake Hills Church, we are a church of all generations committed to reaching the next generation. And we mean it. We want to help raise up the next generation. Yes, by serving them and by having ministries for students and children, but also by partnering with parents and helping them do this overwhelmingly important and sometimes paralyzing task of parenting. So I hope that you feel that way today. Um, recent studies actually show that this generation that's entering college now, this generation of college freshmen, the kids are in college right now, that it, the number of students entering college who are medicated because they are suffering from anxiety and depression is at an all-time high. Now, I want to settle, settle things down just a minute. I do not believe that that's all because of bad parenting. I think that is a lot. There are a lot of factors that affect those numbers. But as parents, as the local church, when we see that research, when we see what the studies show, I believe that it's our responsibility to look at it and to say, is there something we can do to change those trends? Is there something we can do to turn that around? Is there something as the local church, are there things that we can you know, do? Are there choices we can make and actions we can take that can reverse those trends? You see, if you read more about what's happening on college campuses today, you'll hear from college professors and counselors and administrators that whereas they used to spend their time dedicated to helping students, they now spend the majority of their time dealing with parents who are intervening on behalf of their students. I have another uh, good friend who works on the national level of a Greek organization, and she said to me that she used to spend her time, she and her cohorts, they used to spend their time equipping and helping the college students to lead on their campuses. And now, she spends all of her time fielding phone calls from parents who are intervening on behalf of their children. I also believe that the research shows that, again, parenting isn't the only factor. But oftentimes, in an attempt to help our children, in an attempt to make life easier for our children, in an attempt to do what we think is best for our children, we are actually hindering their emotional development. We are making life more difficult for them. And so if you look at the research, it can be very discouraging. But then you take a step back and you go, these are the trends that we're seeing, but it's not how God designed life to be. So there must be some direction from his word. There must be some instruction that can help us as parents, that can help us as the local church to change these trends, to reverse these trends. We want to raise up a generation of kids who aren't as these college um, professors and counselors are describing as emotionally fragile. 
we want to raise up a generation of kids who are emotionally strong, who are emotionally tough, who are relationally strong, who are spiritually strong. We want to raise up a generation of kids who, are, who have some grit. And Angela Duckworth, who is a psychologist, and she was a teacher, and she's a researcher, she has studied young people, and she says that grit actually is a better predictor of long-term success than intelligence or the home that you grew up in. I want to read her definition of grit. It's so awesome. Grit is passion and perseverance for long-term goals. The willingness to work hard to make your desired future a reality. Having the stamina to stick with it despite the struggle. If you are married, you know that you need some relational stamina. If you have a job, you know that there is a time in your life when you have to dig deep and find some emotional stamina. If you've been in a relationship with God for over a week, then you know that at some point you have questioned Him and you have questioned why things have happened and you need some spiritual stamina. That's what we want to help parents do. We want to help them raise up some gritty kids, kids with emotional, with um, personal strength, with spiritual strength, with relational strength. So how do we do that? God takes this overwhelming task, and I think if we're intentional, we can read his scripture, and he hones in with one verse. And he takes that big job, and he simplifies it for all of us. In Proverbs 22.6, Proverbs 22.6 may be one of the most quoted verses when teaching parenting. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, I think for generations, parents have clung to the second part of this verse. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Yeah, he may get a little crazy during those teenage or college years, but if I keep praying for him, he'll circle back around and he will be the man of God he was created to be. And we hang on to that promise and we watch as things aren't going quite as we planned and we go, oh yeah, but he'll come back around. He will come back, but I want to instead encourage you to focus on the first part. Because the first part is what we can control. The first part is actually the instruction given by God. You see, as moms and dads, we know that as awesome as our, parents, our kids are, they have free will, and they make their own choices. And sometimes they make great choices, and sometimes they don't. And so as much as I would love to control my children, and I have tried, it just doesn't work that way. You see, each one of us was born with a free will. But my responsibility as parent is to train up a child in the way he should go. That's what we're going to look at, just that first part of that verse. Train up a child in the way he should go. Train up a child. That's the verb. That's the action item. God says, it is your responsibility to train up a child. It's your responsibility to teach the children in the ways of God. Again, it's not just if you're a parent. You see, you can be a parent and not choose to parent. Or you can not be a parent and choose to parent. 
You choose the verb. You may be the noun, but we choose the verb. And so that's what God is saying. Choose the verb. Choose to train. Train up a child in the ways of God. That's our responsibility as the local church, as parents, as community leaders. Train the kids. And then the second part, in the way he should go. That third word there, in the way. You see, our kids, each one, they're created on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose. And every mom knows that our kids enter the world with their own personalities. Every child enters the world with a specific, unique mix of gifts and talents, likes and dislikes, strengths and weaknesses. But if my job is to train, if my job is to teach, then first I've got to be a student. So I have to study my kids, and my children are awesome, and they could not be more different. They literally are on either end of the spectrum when it comes to personalities. But my responsibility is to study and to say, what is the way that God has carved out for her? What is the way that God has carved out for him? Because God created them. He knows, and he knows that it'll be interesting as I try to figure out what their ways are because sometimes it's not what I expect. But when I open my mind up to the possibility that my child may be different from me or may be different from what I expect, now I'm ready to see what gifts, what talents, what personality type, so that I can direct and guide in the way that God has created for them. That's my prayer on Wednesdays. I pray, I have a short attention span, and so I pray a different prayer every day. So on um, Monday, I pray for marriage. Tuesday, I pray for toughness. On Wednesday, I pray for way. Help them find their way. Thursday, a thankful heart. Friday, I, I have a different prayer every day, but I'm always praying, God, help them find their way. Help me to guide them to find their way. And then if you look at the end of that, in the way he should go. In the way he should what? In the way he should what? You know, this is so important, guys, and we never even hang on that word. Train up a child in the way he should that's critical. The nature of parenting is to train up a child in the way he should go. That is the definition. Actually, parenting is a process, the process of transferring responsibility. Because my goal is that my child is eventually an independent adult who can take responsibility for his own emotional growth, take responsibility for her own spiritual growth, take responsibility for her own relational strength. That's the end goal. Parenting is a process of transferring responsibility. Train up a child in the way he should. Uh-oh, I think some people are forgetting that part. Train up a child in the way he should. It's so important. If you think about it physically, when we bring our children home from the hospital, we hold them close. We hold them right next to us. And I am responsible, Mac and I are responsible for the physical needs, emotional needs, all the needs of this child. And then as the child grows, we move to the next stage where the child walks alongside us. And we're still holding hands, and I guide and direct. And then the next stage where we're walking next to each other, and we're guiding and directing, but they're making their own choices, and they are suffering the natural consequences, positive or negative, of those choices. Eventually, for the last stage, train up a child in the way he should go. 
and we wave goodbye as they leave the home. That's the end game. Now, if you have a newborn, don't panic. It doesn't happen overnight. It is a process. It is a gradual process. But if you enter the game with that mindset, your child and you, you're much better off if you know that is the end game. What is true physically should also be true emotionally, relationally, spiritually, and, brace yourselves, financially. You see, I'm responsible for everything in my kids' lives when they come home, but I give them more responsibility as they grow up so that eventually they go and they enjoy the blessings of financial independence. You see, <clears throat> I was very fortunate to grow up in a home with parents who really understood this truth. And um, the day before my wedding, my, um, my dad said to me, he said, Julie, I love you. And I'm like, I love you too, Dad. And he said, I just want you to know that if you ever need anything, you call me, but I'll never send you a dime. <laughs> yeah, I kind of had the same reaction. I'm like, you're so funny, Dad. <laughs> That's hysterical. And he said, no, Julie, I'll never send you money because I would never make Mac think that I don't think he's taking good care of you. He said, your job is to now be Mac's wife. You are now independent. Yeah, it's a tough pill to swallow. <clears throat> but my dad knew, my mom knew, that the best thing for my marriage was for me to be independent of my parents. The best thing for my spiritual development, my emotional development, my relational development was for me to go. The best thing for my financial development was for me to go. And I'm so grateful. My parents are very generous, and I'm sure it was hard for them to watch a struggle to make ends meet. I'm sure they wanted to help out, but they knew that the job of parenting is all about the transfer of responsibility with the end goal being independent adult children. And most of us know that, and, and we, we, we look at it and we say, oh, yes, I agree with that, I agree with that. So then why is it that not everyone parents toward independence for their kids? I think there are two things that get in the way. I think fear and guilt get in the way. I think sometimes when a parent wants to parent intentionally, wants to do it effectively, wants to parent toward independence, I think the minute fear comes in the door, common sense goes out the window. You see, fear is the enemy of common sense. And we know that parenting is just decision after decision after decision after decision. And it requires not just supernatural strength and divine toughness, but it also requires divine wisdom, discernment, and common sense. And we have to stop and remind ourselves, what is the truth here? Am I living in the what if or in the what is? I need to say, what is real here? What is just my fear? And am I parenting toward independence? I must be dependent on God for wisdom, discernment, and common sense. The Bible says, if you lack wisdom, ask for it. Be sure that you are tethered to a local church. Because let me tell you something, nothing requires more toughness than to be the only parent who makes the good decision. It is tough. But if we are going to raise kids who have grit then we better have some grit ourselves. And so second, fear is a big one, but also guilt. 
Fear is the enemy of common sense. Guilt is the enemy of forward progress. Guilt keeps me right where I am. And mom guilt is real. You know why? Because we're human and we make mistakes. And if we allow ourselves to live in that guilt, and if we're not careful, then the guilt becomes shame. And I did something wrong becomes I am wrong. I made a mistake becomes I am a mistake. And that is dangerous. And so what we want to do is we want to encourage you. Everyone is fearful. Everyone fears the guilt. But don't, everyone is, feels guilty. But don't stay there. We offer a ministry that speaks specifically to mom fear and mom guilt. And it's called Fearless Mom. And we're about to open, yeah, I got a fearless mom up there. We're about to open registration for the fall semester. And our fall semester is going to speak directly to emotional strength. For moms, finding the emotional strength. And then how do we prepare our kids? How do we give our kids emotional strength? That is the whole fall semester. And registration opens tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. We have limited space in our fearless kids. So we encourage you, go ahead and get signed up. We would love to cheer you on. We would love. There are times when you will feel weak. You don't feel tough. That's what we want to do. We want to be tough for you. We want to be strong for you. So we want to encourage you, get signed up as soon as you can. If you can't join us on Wednesdays, then we have an online ministry where you can watch the videos and you can connect with other moms to remember that you are not alone. And is this job of parenting tough? Yes, it is. But it is so worth it. So we would love to cheer you on in Fearless Mom. So fear and guilt, we want to get those out. And I think the best way to get those out is to remember this verse, Romans 8, 28. For God works all things together for those who believe in him and are called according to his purpose. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. You see, he can take everything, your mistakes, your child's mistakes, you, he can take your tragedies, whatever it is, and he can use it for good in your child's life and in your life. And I think clinging to that memory verse helps me see the value in struggle and helps me push the fear and push the guilt aside. I can't help but think of Mac's family. Mac's dad left his family when Mac was 12 and the, tw the twins were 10. And Mac's mom was all of a sudden a single mom. And so, yeah, she felt fear and she felt guilt. But you know what? She stayed in the game. And she stayed tethered to the local church. And she made sure that Mac and his brothers heard teaching about marriage and about family. When their home at home was falling apart, she made sure that they had examples of healthy marriages and healthy homes. And she stayed in the game and stayed tethered to the church. So I was talking to her a few years ago. And she said, Julie, I would have done anything to keep my kids from experiencing that hurt to keep my kids from experiencing that hurt. And I said, you know what? I know you would have, but I can see the Romans 8, 28 here. I know that my marriage is stronger, that Mac is intentional about being a good husband and being a good dad because of what he saw. I know that our church benefits because of Mary, Mac's passion about marriage and family. So I know that God has taken what was so painful for them and he uses it for good 
because his mom was faithful throughout. So I believe this verse wholeheartedly because I have seen it work. And so when we get caught up in our mistakes, when we get overtaken by the fear and the guilt, we cling to Romans 8, 28. Yes, I make mistakes, but God will use even my mistakes for his glory and my kids' good. Now, I want to remind you about the parenting process of transferring responsibility. And we want to push out fear and guilt. But then I think we have to embrace three truths if we're really going to make the transfer to adulthood. Number one, first truth. I must recognize my identity apart from my child's. I must recognize my identity apart from my child's. I am a mom. That is part of who I am. It's not all of who I am. Ironically, if my mom title becomes too important to me, then I don't mom very well. You see, because I have to remember that my child's actions, my child's behaviors, my child's choices aren't always a reflection on my parenting. You see, when I didn't have children, I would watch those, you know, wild kids in Chick-fil-A and go, wow, their parents really need to do something. (laughs) Yeah, uh uh-huh. Anybody who says that doesn't have kids. Because I've been that mom. Emily, time to go. I'm not leaving! Yeah, Uh uh-huh. Parenting, little dose of humility. But you see, if I let fear and guilt drive my parenting there, I lose my focus on parenting toward adult children. And so... We, we can't do that. I have to, my child's behavior, my child's choices. That's not a reflection of my parenting. Separate that identity. Number two, I must get comfortable with my child's being uncomfortable. I must get comfortable with my child's being uncomfortable. I want to bring your homework up to you. I do. I know it's uncomfortable for you to suffer the natural consequences of your actions. But guess what? I'm comfortable with my child being uncomfortable because I know that the end game is the transfer of responsibility. Easier said than done. I do know that. I have to be comfortable with my child struggling. I have to be comfortable with my child experiencing pain, loss, disappointment. And I think it becomes easier when we see the value in the pain, in the struggle, in the disappointment, in the discomfort. You see, I have to know God's going to use that. I have to know that they're going to be smarter and probably remember their homework next time. I have to know that, yeah, you can go without lunch one day. We'll eat a big dinner. You'll be fine. Glad you ate breakfast. You see, I've got to keep that end game in mind, and I've got to trust that God has my child in the palm of his hand. And I have to be comfortable with my child being uncomfortable because struggle builds strength. And independence builds confidence. And my goal is a gritty adult. Now, third, I must put my child's needs above my wants. I must put my child's needs above my wants. You see, I like to run the homework up to the school. I, I, I'm going over there. Well, okay, not technically over there. I'm going by the cleaners, which is close to there. So I'll just bring your chemistry folder up there because it makes me feel like a good mom. I love being the hero, swooping in. Yes, I saved the day. But that's not what my child needs. That's about what I want. Um, Early in Joseph's football career, he was in middle school, Max said he needs to do his own laundry. I said, well, I like doing his laundry because I won't get to do his laundry forever. Max said, that's interesting and irrelevant. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I, I, I tried to laugh thinking that was a joke too. But he said he needs to do his laundry. Our goal is a responsible young man, and he needs to do his own laundry. But I like doing it. Not about you. 
You got to put his needs above your wants. So why is independence so important? You see, I like being a mom. I like having kids at my house. And I like, why is it so important? Because ultimately, it's not just about financial responsibility or emotional responsibility or relational responsibility. Ultimately, I need to transfer spiritual responsibility because ultimately I want my kids to understand the number one relationship that everyone is created for, our relationship with our Heavenly Father. You see, if my kids are always dependent on me, they will never understand complete dependence on God who is sovereign, who never makes mistakes, and who will never let them down. That's the end game here, the transfer of spiritual responsibility, the transfer of responsibility for my children. Um, I think it's 1 John 1, 9. Let's just pretend it is. And it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. You see, I can't confess Emily's sins. I can't confess Joseph's sins. If they confess their sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us their sins and cleanse them from all unrighteousness. It's the transfer of spiritual responsibility. I'm going to read to you my prayer for my children, my prayer for the next generation, my prayer for all of you. Because if we're going to raise a gritty generation, we've got to get some grit ourselves. So let's read Ephesians 3, 16 and 17. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength, grit, through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. That's where the toughness comes from. That's where the grit comes from. It's when we invite Jesus to make his home in our hearts. And then we allow our roots to grow deep into God's love. Because the deeper the root, the grittier the person. You see, because then we're able to withstand the winds and the storms of life. And that's what we want for you. That's what we want for our children. It's what we want for the next generation. Because as I said, it affects all of us if the younger generation understands their need to be gritty. And we know that that starts by stepping into a relationship with Christ. And to step into a relationship with Christ, really, it just takes three things. Three, things, three I'm going to say, of the first phrases we taught our children. Number one, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God, that my sin separates me from you. I'm sorry for my sin. Number two, thank you. I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin and for raising again so that I can live in a relationship with God. And number three, please, please forgive me and make your home in my heart so that my roots can grow deep. Would you bow your heads? God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the responsibility and the blessing of parenting. God, I ask right now that you fill this place, Holy Spirit, and you hover over our hearts. And if there's someone who right now needs to come to you and say, I'm sorry, thank you, please make your home in my heart, I pray that you pull them to to you right now. And if that's your prayer, we pray that you 
find the grit to step out in faith and to say, God, I'm sorry. Thank you. Please make your home in my heart. I want to ask you just to remain in a spirit of prayer for a moment. It's a holy moment. It's a holy moment because God's moving in people's lives. And so, if that's your prayer this morning, God, I'm sorry. You've confessed your sin. God, thank you. Jesus, for for dying on the cross for me personally. And please be the Lord, be the director of my life. If that's your prayer today, we want you to know you're in a great place for that prayer because you're surrounded by people who want to help you, who want to help you grow in that relationship, who want to help you grow in experiencing the goodness of God. And by the way, you're surrounded by people who want to and and need to learn from you. And so if that was your prayer and you meant it and you just stepped into that relationship, I want to just ask you to do a couple of things today. First of all, if you would, just take the program that you got when you came in and you'll find in there a Connect card. And all that is is a way for you to let us know how we can help you. If you'll just fill it out on there, fill out your name and contact information, and then just say, I'm committing my life to Christ today. And before you leave, just tear that off at the perforation and hand that to one of our ushers. They wear the really cool blue shirts that have our logo on it, or you can stop at the canopy on the way out of the big lobby here today. But just make a brief moment to make a personal connection. Hand that card to somebody and just say, today was my day. That card is also there. If there's any other way that we can help, something we can pray about for you, or you've got a question about what it looks like or means to be a part of this church, that Connect card's there for you to let us know how we can help you. But the second thing I want to ask you to do with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you just prayed that, I'm sorry, thank you, please, prayer, would you just raise your hand? And as you raise your hand, you're doing a couple of things. Number one, you're stamping this moment in your own life, in your mind, in your heart, knowing that this is real, that God did this. But the second thing that you're doing is you're stamping this moment in the life of this church. There's nothing more important to us than this moment in your life. This moment in your life and others like it are why we exist. And so as a church home, as a family of faith, we celebrate that, we honor that, and our family tradition is As you put your hands down, we put our hands together to tell you, welcome home. Welcome home. 